Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. In the movie Most Likely to Murder, Adam Pally wants everyone in his hometown on Long Island to believe he's still the king of his high school, now making it big in Las Vegas, when in reality he's still stuck working as a bathroom attendant. Over one holiday weekend, he drags them all into his murder mystery comedy, including Rachel Bloom, John Reynolds, and Vincent Kartheiser. The film premiered at South by Southwest 2018 and will be released May 1st by Lionsgate on demand and on digital platforms. I sat down with the cast as well as with writers Doug Mann and Dan Greger to find out what stories they told their friends and families back home to explain their fledgling comedy careers before they were stars. So let's get to it! My question for you guys is one of the subplots, themes of the movie is, you know, when you go back and you see your people from your hometown for Thanksgiving, just like with a reunion, a class reunion, you want to impress people, and Adam's character in particular really wants to build himself up. Yeah. For those first few years for you guys out of, out of school, when you were cli- just on the bottom rungs of show business, what kind of stories did you tell your friends back home because you didn't want to tell them what you were really up to? Ooh. What a good question. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I um, have been so blessed. Um, You've always to, been a success. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, just just the idea of like doing shows <clears throat> early on in a basement underneath the Gristides or in, in St. Mark's place, like literally in the, under the ground. And, and you'd have a weekly show and you'd be... Yeah, you'd have a weekly show and to the small amount of people that were watching it, you were, you were what you thought in your head you were. But when you'd explain it to like parents, friends at Passover and stuff, it's very difficult for them. They'd be like, I do this show. They'd be like, well, okay, what's it about? You're like, well, it changes every week. They're like, changes every week? What's that? Well, it's not really, it's, uh, I don't know, it's underneath the Gristides. Like, it just never, like, you know, it's very difficult to uh, explain that, but that duality was is always very interesting, because at the time that you're doing the show, you are, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, I mean, the, the thing that, I mean, I remember I graduated, and I went back to my parents' house, and I, I was moved back into my parents after I graduated, and I, I, I remember just sitting in the car crying, just because I was like, what am I doing? I'm I'm back here. I I can't believe I'm living here again. I'm such a fucking loser. And uh and I uh and the thing that like sustained me was that I had this show at UCB that you know a dozen people came to a week. I mean that was the thing. It was like there's nobody. You're and you're begging those dozen people to come. You're like please, please, we need an audience. And uh, and just feeling like oh I'm I'm a that's the thing that I'm holding up as like. That's why I'm gonna keep doing this and going, and 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 I did kind, of, I did believe it, but like obviously there is a certain amount of like I better be right about this because no one else believes, um, you know. So I don't know. You there's not much. You just are are stuck with yourself. Well, I'm from I'm from um, like a beach town in L.A. where it's not as much like judgy Jewishness as uh, sometimes stupid people being patronizing, and so I 
really dreaded like going into a grocery store. Oh, Rachel, what are you up to? Because it's like, I don't need to go into the details. Of like, well, I've been making these music videos and I've been writing on Robot Chicken, but I'm really trying to get blah, blah, blah. And you just see their eyes go blank and their eyes glaze over and they go, okay, well, good for you. You keep doing it. And it's like, I don't need validation from uh, the woman who works at Supercuts. And, um, and, but, but I also like, I just need a haircut from Supercuts. Supercuts? Supercuts? Supercuts gives a, that gives a good, gives a, oh, you like that place? Yeah, um, Supercuts is so great. Let me tell you something. They have a deal right now for highlights. Super <laughs> Supercuts has a deal. Walk into a store. Where they started? The deal is you can go to Supercuts. But I will say that, like, it was very important to me to continue to prove to people that like being the the theater dork like served me well and I uh in the middle of college went back to my old theater class and taught an experimental theater workshop just so I could feel good about myself I was like I literally walked into the classroom and I was like eyes on me and breathe and I like caught everyone off guard and I was like today for the next 40 minutes you are going to be present with me and you are going to think of nothing else I just did my best impression of like an adult but did any of you have cover stories? So instead of telling people you're working on a show nobody has heard of or making YouTube videos, something that you could tell people instead of that? I, I didn't. I I took the route of just being super self-deprecating before they could. That was my defense mechanism. I'd just be like, yeah, I'm not doing well. It's not happening. <laughs> no one's ever going to make this. And that's what I would do. I, that, that's, I, did, I didn't lie. I just would cut them off. I, it, it was my own insecurities as well, obviously. It was, that was my projection. But I was, and it would, if it ever got like bad, I would just make sure the conversation ended with, yeah, no, you're, you're never going to see something I do <laughs> unless you come under Gristides to see it. And you're not going to come because you live in Philadelphia. But it, so it was a lot of that. It's also, it's a hard business because, you know, the, once we started being successful and we sold some things, that was a huge deal to us. Oh we got health insurance. It was and, and it was wild. Hmm. But but they're like, so when am I going to see that show? And we'd be like, look, we're just getting paid to write it. Like so, it's just yeah. and it's a hard thing for people to understand. They're like, oh, most people don't know that 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 there are pilots being hundreds of pilots being written, yeah. and that's a big deal. Exactly. exactly. So it's it's a constant battle. Like so, that's why getting to actually make something. And it, have it be out there does change the the, the storyline a little bit because you'd be like, yeah, you can go and see it there. I, I did something. So. Yeah, you guys have a lot. <laughs> yeah, in high school, I was uh, too embarrassed to say I wanted to pursue comedy or acting, so I told everybody I was going to go into sports marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know what that is, really. That's a I mean, I could. Uh, I get the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Hey, have you heard about this new sport? Yeah, you know, oh, it's good. Idea. These guys. I uh, I would um, I, I in its own way, like I um, I like pretended for so long that I was I was like, no, no, I'm I, in college I, that I was gonna try to be a lawyer, even though I had moved on from that. Like I, I never wanted to be that. My parents kind of wanted to be that, but I would just like pretend, and I and I even transferred to NYU with all intention of just doing UCB, just like studying film, and um, but I was I kept a my um, basically a double major in politics just to like keep up appearances, but I don't know who that was for other than. Well, you I remember uh, when we were when we were young, you were always the only comedian. You were one of the few comedians that was also could have been a very successful. 
uh, yeah, something else. Like you worked on HBO in development. Like you, you could have gone that route, which is very strange for a comedian and a, and a director and writer to have also had the option to be like, well, I can also like kind of run a company. You know, I mean, that's what those guys are. That's what those guys are bred to do. You know, so. Um, well, uh, I would have killed myself. I, I will also say that. <laughs> Didn't mean for it to go that way. <laughs> Something I just thought of is um, the whole time I was growing up, I told people like, "I'm gonna be on Broadway. I want to be on Broadway," because that's all I had. I didn't have anything else. And every time I went back home, because I, I transitioned out of musical theater because I was kind of sick of it. And so every time I went back home, no matter what I was doing, people would literally ask me. I had one. Per, I had a friend from elementary school say to me, like, I remember when you were a little kid, you said you wanted to be on Broadway. So have you done that yet? And I was like, no, I haven't. And I would just see the disappointment in everyone's eyes. No matter what I said, if I was like, ah, oh, no, but I've been to the moon, they'd be like, oh, but you were never on Broadway. Guess you were a loser for nothing. Oh, it's got me dark. Yeah. Well, oh. I've been cut out of quite a few movies. Does that make any sense? What movies have you been cut out of? What's the most Rag now. What's the most high profile movie you've been cut out of? A monster.com ad. What? <laughs> I got cut out of a monster.com ad. Like the ad was cut? No, the ad aired. I got fired day of. I told them on my, on my, like, you know, when you, when, when you're going out for commercials, which was like pretty much my life for a long period of time. Uh, I, they write down like special skill. Like, can you bike? Basically the question was like, can you bicycle? And so I was like, very well. (laughs) And, uh, they went in and the ad was like my, it was like one of those like, Um, things where they're like cutting all around the city of people getting jobs and so they cut to this my part was that I was on a bike and I guess I I find out that I get a job and I'm psyched so I pump both hands in the air on while I'm riding the bike (laughs) so in the audition it was just sitting on a chair being like yes and like you got it you did that right you know what it's like I was like great I got the job uh, so then I got to the shoot morning of, it's like six in the morning. We're underneath the Brooklyn Bridge uh-huh. and it's cobblestone. Oh. And so the bike is like, and they're like, you got to get two hands up. And I couldn't, I was like barely getting yeah. one hand up. And they're like, we got it. We need, we need two hand, like a two hand pump. It's like, you're supposed to be like, and it, yeah, they're like, you're an amazing biker. You got to do two. And I was like, well, all right. And then the, the, the next thing you know, they're like, can we talk to you for a second? Like, we're going to send you home. Thank you so much. I got in the cab, and as I got in the cab, I like. No, I heard the go- director go like, "Can anybody ride a bike here?" And like some PA was like, "I can," and they're like, "Great, put him in the bike helmet." And I was like, "Oh man, that ended really quickly, and that was it." And, and that was, PA died of a very bad head injury. No, I think that Monster.com ad is still running. I watch it every morning. So Dan and Greg, uh, this was your first feature film, and it's an indie production. How is the writing process off and on set different from your experiences with TV sitcoms and sketch videos? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the writing for TV, what it's great for is that you learn how to think it through quickly. Uh, because you're, you're, going, you're doing this so many times. We've, we've, we've broke a uh, hundred episodes of How I Met Your Mother. We've, we've been on... How many episodes of, of Crazy X now for 40 something? And so, you know, it's um, the ability to like figure out story 
quickly and readjust it and keep it all in mind is something that becomes very valuable on set and as a director that like even when things are falling apart for just because in the scene something's not working or something's not tracking or the production didn't come through in some way and it, you need to change it um, that like you you can readjust your story uh, super quickly um, and I, I also think to that point that there's People always talk about, oh, you, you know, you. I'm more of a TV writer, a film writer, but story is story. Like that's the, that's the great part about working in TV is that we're, like Dan said, we're breaking stories all the time, and we're breaking like 20 for How I Met Your Mother was 22, 24 stories a year, and they still have a beginning, middle, and end. That's what a movie has, and like so, you still need to be able to understand how to tell tell the arc of of, of a different characters and how they, and and make a satisfying ending every time. So it it. It's just like boot camp. Like writing on How I Met Your Mother, I think Dan and I talk about it like it was graduate school. It really like taught us how to write, and we took that to movies as well. And then, I mean, in terms of production, um, you know, the the sort of two flip sides were being on set in in a in a very loving uh, production environment. With the uh, we had worked with this director Pam Fryman, who's like a set mom uh, to us. One of the you great know, sitcom directors of all time. Uh, became like sort of the the rubric of of how to treat people and how to be on set with kindness and how to direct with love and kindness, and um, as opposed to sort of a hard fist, and um, and but then the flip side coming from actually coming from sketch is is really the most equivalent thing for. Uh, Directing uh, the the scope of a low budget movie, um, the the pace is so sort of like fast. It's so like get it move, get it move, uh, which is sort of the same necessary ethos of of making sketch, which is just like we have we we're calling in every favor. We're going to shoot for a super short amount of time, and we're we're going to make it work. Um, as opposed to having the luxury, frankly, of of sitting and tinkering and figuring it out on set every day you need to know exactly what you need and you you don't really get to uh, futz around more than than getting what you need and moving and also just as a, a point a big difference in general between screenwriting and tv writing is screenwriting you, you know you're often working in a bubble and then if your movie on the you know the off chance that a movie that you write does get made you're on set but you're maybe focusing on onset punch up. You're definitely not in for the edit. But when you're a TV writer, you're you're part of the action. You're on set. You are not only giving punch ups on set, but like you're making sure the shots work out. That's like part of your job. You're sitting and editing. You're actually very involved in the production because in TV, because you're a writer on the show, you have in some ways more authority on the piece than the director. Whereas the director is king in movies. So. Just for anyone out there who's thinking, oh, well, I want to be a screenwriter, even then, the experience and the authority that you get writing in television is unparalleled in, the, I think, the screenwriting world. Also, and just to add to that, I think maybe the most important skill that, that we've developed is um, is editing. A and you, you get, you as a writer on a TV show, you oversee the edit as well. So, you know, again, like, we've had the luxury of sitting in on, uh, aside from learning, you know, learning editing in college or whatever, we've had the luxury of sitting in on, on hundreds and hundreds of hours of TV edit. And so, knowing how things actually are, are structurally put together in the edit, what things you really need, makes your ability to uh, go on set and basically just cut out all the bullshit because you know, you're, I, I'm only going to get the things that I know I'm going to need in edit because you're prepared for the edit. So I, I personally like basically direct as as an editor. Wow.
This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first.